I want to read the Christmas story. You guys up for that? Yeah. All right, Luke chapter 1 and, uh, and Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read a few verses. It's actually going to be up on the screen so we can read it together. Uh, I, I think it's one of those cool things, even if I have to speak less this morning, but for us to not skim over the story. Uh, but I just want to read it with, with, with everyone here. So if we can get up on the screen, <clears throat> chapter 1, Luke, verse, um, verse 26. And let's just like read it together. If you can read it out loud or, or follow along however you want to. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee, in Galilee, uh, in Bethlehem, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by the statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth, even, uh, what is it saying? Even she, it's a little has conceived a son in her old age. This, the sixth month for her, who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. And I love this. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. And then we're going to read chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, or behold, I proclaim to you good news. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. There will be this, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. To people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem 
and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And then I want to read John, because this summarizes the whole Christmas story in a tweetable kind of a way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There's a couple of things that stand out to me as I'm rereading this story. This verbiage of beholding, behold, behold. Behold means to fix one's eyes upon something, to see with intention, with attention. It means to observe with care. And John, John says when he sees Jesus, behold the Lamb of God, he says, who takes away the sin of the world. And I think Christmas is a good time. It's a good reminder for us to see what are we beholding this year. What has our attention this year? Because whatever we're beholding is what we become. Whatever we gravitate to towards is going to be what's going to be the focus of our life. We see Mary beheld Jesus in this story. We also see that the shepherds also beheld Jesus. And the wise men, they came looking to behold Jesus. It be, could be challenging to behold something that's familiar, though. And this is where we find ourselves in the Christmas stories that, like I said last week, the, when things are familiar, it restricts our ability to see the details and even limits the revelation that we can have that God is wanting to show us because we tend to dismiss those things that are familiar um, like brushing your teeth y'all don't do it until you have to visit the dentist and then you behold your teeth over and over and over again until you stop beholding your teeth yeah <laughs> some of us brush our teeth like we go to church few times a year no not you okay <laughs> Christmas is a good time it's a good reminder for us to behold the birth of Jesus um, Galatians 4 chapter 4 and 5 says this but when the fullness of time came God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law so that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. A lot, of, a lot of times I get questions of why did God wait so long to send Jesus? Why couldn't God just send him 
right away. I think that Adam and Eve probably were waiting for that as well. I talked a couple weeks back about even Satan waiting for this promise of God. And it may have even been one of the reasons why he tried to eliminate the favored one right in the beginning. But this whole thing of, of waiting is something that we're all really familiar with. Who is currently waiting to open gifts, right? All of our kids are just going nuts and shaking boxes. They, they, they told us what they wanted to get, and they don't trust that we actually got maybe those things, some of them that, that they wanted. And so um, there's this thing in us that we don't like waiting. But when we read that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, it's, that statement is loaded with waiting. Because the promise was not made in verse 1 and then fulfilled in verse 2. The promise was made in Genesis and then fulfilled in the Gospels, in the New Covenant. Or the thing that started the New Covenant. We celebrate Mary for her obedience but we cannot fully appreciate Mary without understanding Eve. The reason that Mary was used by God is because of what Eve did in the garden. Maybe that's why there's a Christmas Eve before a Merry Christmas. I wish I could take credit for that. But as far as you guys are concerned, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, but we have to connect what we're currently celebrating because Christmas is about redemption. So we have to understand what are we redeemed from. In order for us to know what we're redeemed from, we have to go back to Eve. Because the promise was given to Eve. And it was fulfilled in Mary. You think about the time gap from the promise given to the promise fulfilled. You know the joke about this guy goes to God. He goes, hey, God, you know, you own everything. And so nothing, not, nothing on this earth is, has much value to do. It's just, you know. Multiply everything and just give me whatever and everything right now. Um, and God's like, sure. Just give me a second. And there's this passage in the Bible that talks about one day being a thousand years in the Lord. So God's like, yeah, uh, give me a second to ponder your request, which requires a lot of waiting. That was a bad joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I twisted it. It's all right. That's all right. There's a lot of pressure on me here this morning. But I think it's interesting because when we read through, when we read this thing of they're in the right time, the fullness of time, God sent his son. There is this gap of waiting. And the question that I have for all of us is, are we willing to wait for God's promises? Because uh, from our perspective, 
it's easy for us to say that God is delayed in his promise. But from God's perspective, he's always on time. He's always on time. And so what we find and I'm, is that God created an environment for his creatures, for humanity. He formed this garden we know as the Garden of Eden. And then he made man, right? And then he placed them in the garden. And in the garden, there was a lot of Christmas trees there. And one of the Christmas trees was the tree of life, right? And the tree next to it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you think through it, the way that I even ask this is, God, why in the world would you place this other tree next to this other tree and tell me to eat from this, but not to eat from that? Like, it almost like seems like God is cruel. It's like that story that you probably heard where a person was doing an experiment and he put a mirror outside with a note that says, do not break. And of course it got broke. When you say don't do something, what do we want to do? Your kids do the same thing and you get mad at them. So you're not different from your kids. So this whole thing started in the garden. It started with the trees. The mess that we are in started in the garden and once Adam and Eve partook in their decision to disobey God what they were doing in that garden was saying God I don't trust you they were so good at beholding the tree of life then Satan came in and shifted their focus to this other tree But in this garden, before everything got corrupted, one of the meanings of Eden is God's presence. It's really amazing because when God created mankind, he created an environment for us where his presence was and then he positioned us and placed us in that environment because he wants us to flourish flourish in the garden flourish with him but when we are plucked out of his environment like a tree whenever a tree is plucked out what happens it begins to wither and die when a fish is plucked out of the water it begins to wither and die because it was not created to be outside of the water. It was created to be in the water. A tree was not created to be uprooted. A tree was created to be rooted in soil. We were created to be in the Garden of Eden with God's presence. And then when, when, when Adam and Eve broke that, that bond between them and God, whenever they disobeyed God, they sinned and God took them out from his presence. And that's how death 
entered into this whole world which is why the story of Christmas is necessary but the reason that God placed the other tree is because love needs options every time they said no to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil they were saying yes to the tree of life because when we say yes to something we're saying no to a lot of other things when I married Masha I said yes to her but I said no to a lot of other people <laughs> all at the same time that's a good thing did I come across like I'm regretful I needed that choice in order to have the opportunity to love her the tree was placed so that we can choose God over and over and over again if God would not place the tree in the garden then we would be mechanical and it would not be love love requires opportunities and options to choose and I know we zero in on whenever they broke that but how many times and for how long they did not choose that tree and they chose God over and over and over again they did not need to choose to eat from this other tree to demonstrate God's love because by them choosing God they were demonstrating that we love you that we want to behold you your attention is what we seek your presence is what we are after <clears throat> but then Satan comes let's focus on this tree let's focus on the no and then he begins to challenge not Adam and Eve but he begins to challenge God and said and basically saying God is not allowing you something so he must not be a good God and if he's not a good God then you shouldn't trust him and it's easy for us to say well if that was me I definitely would not choose to do that <laughs> you silly you chose the tree of good and evil this morning and last week and last month the thing that we don't understand is that every day we have this option to behold Jesus but instead we behold other things so the promise was made to Eve to redeem that which was lost because whenever they sinned God took them out from his presence and sin broke that relationship that they had 
with God, which is the thing that it does with us today. When you're walking in sin, it is hard for you to be in God's presence. It is hard for you and me to pray, to worship him, to adore him, to give our affection to him because we are separate, we're disconnected. And the thing that has disconnected us is us beholding other things than him. And so as we see in the Garden of Eden, we see in our lives today where sin continues to separate us from God's presence. But Jesus wants to redeem that. Which is why he made this promise. And I love the verbiage because for all this time there was all this waiting, 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 waiting. And as humanity is waiting, they're trusting God, they're trusting God, they're trusting God. And thousands of years later, God's promise to send the Messiah finally begins to come to life. So whenever you read through the gospel, this is, it says, now there was a census. Now the angel Gabriel came down from heaven to make this announcement. Things began to move Things began to move quickly now because the time has come. The waiting has ceased. And those who were waiting were trusting God while they were waiting for his promises. And to translate that to today, how easy it is for us to not receive and trust in God's promises like when God says yes when God says go we're giddy yes oh this is amazing God's so good but when God says no when God says wait we say okay God time's clear come on chop 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 God's like no wait so we're good Christians at first and then what do we do all right, God, time expired. And God's like, the time has not fully come. If you want to undermine this, if you want to hijack this, go for it. And he gives us the freedom to then say, I got this. Lord, you did enough. This, I got and that's when we break trust because then we begin to trust our own ability. We begin to trust in our own time and not in God's time to bring to pass what he promised. So Christmas is a powerful story and a powerful reminder that when God makes a promise, he will bring it to fruition. It is also a reminder that we think we are on God's timing, but a lot of times we're not. And we have to submit to God's timing when he brings this or that promise, makes it a reality in your life. But in the meantime, as we wait on the Lord, there's no better place to wait than to wait in his presence is to wait as we are beholding and looking upon Jesus.
The reason for the trees key and is foundational for a relationship to be had. And so Jesus comes in and the promise fulfilled through Mary is the redeeming factor so that we can now rest and live in God's presence. And I think that's great great news for us this morning. But because we get so familiar with things, our focus shifts. And so this morning, I want to remind us and encourage us to evaluate where is our focus? And as Leo come up here for a second, because I want us to, I want us to kind of think through how looking back in this past year, like with every year that we start, right? We have every priority in line. We have our goals set up. We know what we want to do. And then slowly we begin to shift our gaze upon the things that are more in our strength, more in our timetable. And this morning, I want us to evaluate in what areas of your life are you trying to rush God's timing in your life? Is it a relationship that you are trying to escalate for it to develop? Is it a job opportunity that you're trying to escalate and, and, and do, what is it in your life this morning that you have taken full control and reign over and the areas in your life where you stop trusting God for the things that he's already promised? So we're going to pray this morning. And then we have, we're going to have our kids come. And they're going to do a couple of things. We're going to have Santa come. Skinny version of our Santa come. He's going to do some things. We're going to do Carol of the Bells. I'm definitely not going to sing it. Someone else will. <laughs> but it is so easy for us to lose sight of who Jesus is. It is easy for us to lose sight of why we celebrate Christmas. It is easy for us to trust ourselves over trusting the God who continues to remind us of his goodness and of his faithfulness. And that is Satan coming into our lives and shifting our gaze from the tree of life to the tree of good and evil. Trying to distract us away from God's presence. Because if you're waiting for God, if you're waiting for his promises to be fulfilled in your life. The best place to wait is to wait in his presence. And a lot of us, we get impatient because we are not waiting in his presence. We're just waiting on the off skirts. And God is saying, I made it available 
through Jesus that you can come into the Garden of Eden where my presence is. And sit with me there and wait with me there. Again, and this is so familiar to us that we easily dismiss God's presence, right? Sometimes we just get so busy and carried away in life that we don't even realize that we've displaced or replaced Jesus. And we have other things in our life that have taken our full attention. I love what David says in these two passages of scripture that I want to read as I conclude. I just want us to kind of listen with all the things that David did and his life. And last week we talked a little bit about David, the genealogy, you know, of, of Jesus and what role they played. But David was consider a man after God's own heart because no matter what happened he was going after God he was continually going after the presence of God so he writes this Psalm 27 verses 1 through 6 I just want you to just listen to what he's writing because it won't be up on the screen or maybe it will but the Lord is my light he writes the Lord is my light and my salvation whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore Will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy? I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. And as we begin to enter into his presence and do life from the place of his presence, we will encounter a Jesus who can sustain you and me through whatever you're going through, who can comfort you and me who can counsel you and me who can strengthen you and me who can forgive your sin and my sin 
who can guide you, give you wisdom, knowledge, understanding, who can guide your steps in every area of your life. But our focus needs to be Him. Our gaze needs to be on Him. Everything that we do needs to be filtered through Him because He must be the centerpiece in our life just like he's the centerpiece in the nativity scene that we see displayed. So Christmas is a reminder that he has opened up heaven for you and me to dwell in his presence. And I think it's so sad that how many of us, we don't take the opportunity to dwell in his presence and so Christmas is a great reminder that we have access to all of him we have access to his throne we have access to his promises 